Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have BJ Archer. Yes, we do. And she was awesome. CJ's yes. from Australia. So mm-hmm. you get that great Australian accent, but also mm-hmm. she's just so, so smart. And I just, she's just uh, no frills. Like mm-hmm. she gets the job done. She talks mm-hmm. a lot about discipline. You know, she gets, she's prolific because she's disciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about mindset and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of learning to be com- confident in your work, mm-hmm. trusting your gut. And- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we talked too about um, like cultivating a readership mm-hmm. that likes you as an author mm-hmm. and read across genres because she's written in several different genres. Mm-hmm. So we talked about kind of how she's transitioned from one to another and yep. how she has readers that will follow her, not mm-hmm. all of her readers. She says, mm-hmm. you know, she has a core group of readers. Mm-hmm. So kind of developing that um, readership that's interested mm-hmm. in you. Yeah. Not just a certain series. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So what's yeah. been going on with you this week? More house stuff? Yes. We had a surprise <laughs> visit from the appraiser like 30 minutes before we were supposed to go on this call. And I was like, oh, sure, come in. I'll be in my room, like on the podcast. But that's yeah, funny. so crazy stuff like that. And yeah. But oh, the other thing I'm working on is the Mr. Reader's Journal. Mm-hmm. And it's almost done. And I'm really excited. I'm really pleased with the way it came together. Oh, that's great. It's a very unusual, like people talk about collaborations all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really don't have a great desire to collaborate with somebody to write mm-hmm. a book. But mm-hmm. this has been very collaborative because of the way, you know, like the designer would send me some different fonts and I would pick mm-hmm. a font and then she'd send me the frames and I'd pick those. And so it's just been, I feel like it has been a collaboration. And I feel like she would send me things that no matter what I picked, it was going to look good. Like mm-hmm. she would like six choices. And I could pick any of them and it would be fine, you know, because right. like I'm not really that great with design. Right. So, but I'm really pleased with what it turned out. That's great. And yeah. So it'll be out soon. You've been wanting to do one of these for a long time. So yes. I'm glad you're getting it done. Yeah. Yeah. And Good. I sent it to one of my friends who is a big planner person and she was like, she loved it. So that made me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So getting near the end of that, which is nice because the rest of my life has just been a little crazy and <laughs> haven't been able to accomplish anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's been nice. What about you? That's good. Um, I have been a little under the weather this week, so I've just been oh. getting riding in when I could. Um, and, but mostly, uh, just trying to feel better. And, um, but I, um, do you have a date with my developmental editor mm-hmm. on June 5th? So that's going, the book's going to her then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I did, we talked about it in the podcast, but I did watch a great show last night called The Nevers yeah. on HBO Max. And it does have some nudity in it. So I'm just like letting y'all just all FYI. know. <laughs> FYI. But um, <laughs> you're going to see some naughty bits. But <laughs> it was actually, it was it's historical fantasy and it's just so good. Um, okay. It's a primarily female cast and um, it's just really, really good. I, I enjoyed it very much. It's a Josh Whedon. Uh, show that's the only kind of e because I don't know all the stuff going on around Josh Whedon, but yeah, um, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't know, but uh, but the show itself is very entertaining mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it a lot, yeah. Oh, and also since the last podcast, we went to go see Jenny B. Jones' movie. Oh, yes, we did Finding You, yes, it excellent, it was so, so good, yes, that was fun. So, yes. we just, like we recorded the podcast and then we were going to go. Yeah, I think we went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's based on her book, uh, There You'll Find Me. Mm -hmm. And that book was written some years ago, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, you just never know. know. You never know. And uh, stuff. And yeah. And it's been TV. fun watching her on Instagram. And oh, she has some hilarious Instagram stuff. So if you want a good laugh, go look at her uh, feed. It's um, Jenny B. Jones. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but it's very exciting. It's always exciting when somebody in the, in the industry gets, 
this opportunity and um, it's just really yeah. fun. So, yeah. So we're really happy for her. And, mm-hmm. and so there's your movie and uh, streaming choices for the week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's get on with the interview because it is awesome. All right. Here's CJ. So we're really happy to have CJ Archer with us today. Hi, CJ. How are you? Hi. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's nice to be for you to be here. And it is early for you, I think. It is early for me, yeah. but that's fine. That, that <laughs> that's happens good. when you live on the other side of the world. Till that's, right. Else, so. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me read CJ's bio. Um, with more than 2 million copies of her books sold, CJ Archer is a USA Today bestselling author of over 50 novels in historical mystery and historical fantasy. She lives in Australia, sets her books in England, and has fans all over the world. That's great. I love that. So tell us how you got into writing, CJ. Yeah, I guess like most authors, I was just a daydreamer from an early age. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we went on long family road trips around our back Queensland and, and Australia when I was young and um a lot of boring scenery so I just closed my eyes and and dreamed up stories and eventually you you write them down um in my 20s I was just uh just writing a lot writing a lot of short stories actually I started with short stories and tried to get them published in women's magazines mm-hmm. here in Australia and overseas and I've got I've got some published so I made um you know that was a, a good introduction for me but I really wanted to write novels so so throughout my 20s and beyond, I was um, I was just honing my craft on, on novel writing and writing different genres and attempting different things and learning my craft. And um, eventually in, in, I don't know, about 2006 or seven, I got a, an agent in the US. Um, I mean, I'd sub- been submitting for ages and eventually landed an agent. And um, unfortunately for a couple of years, she tried to sell my books to publishers over there but it just didn't happen and and I think I don't know if you remember but the global financial crisis hit around that time and um yeah yeah, so publishers were no longer interested in in putting on a brand new author Mm -hmm. unknown so she the agent let me go and it was probably the best thing that could happen (laughs) to me in hindsight Mm -hmm. because Yeah. yeah I was you know, uh, in about 2010, throughout 2010, I was reading Joe Conrad's blog, which is how mm. a lot of independent authors got yeah. got interested in independent publishing. And um, from there, I just sort of never looked back. So I, I published my first book in January 2011, which um, was probably, you know, fairly early um, in the game and it was quite... Uh, it was very new and, yeah, there was a lot of stigma around it still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't really talk to anyone about it for a while. But, uh, yeah, it's grown since then, so it's all good. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That is so awesome. You, you're, you were in, in the beginning. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah or well, almost at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very early on. And mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think independent publishing just suited my personality mm-hmm. um you know I, I I'm, I'm a bit of a loner I guess I don't know maybe all authors are but um I just like the fact that if um if my books failed you know if nobody read them it didn't matter yeah. like the, you know there was no publishing company putting money behind me mm-hmm. um right. no editor who'd backed me you know and I felt yeah. more comfortable um that way and and yeah Yeah. I could just work to my own schedule and yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean I was lucky as well I I did get a um contract with Montlake um Mm -hmm. the Amazon publishing Mm -hmm. arm in I think they I can't remember I think they picked me up in about 2012 Mm -hmm. I was one of their launch authors I think Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. But also, you know, I was one of the first authors they dropped. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, that's another good thing that happened in the end when you think about it. I was, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was, I was grateful to be picked up and and grateful to be dropped as well because it, yeah. it meant I could just continue with my own journey and yeah, yeah, do well your own me, thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Works out well for a loner when you're when you like doing your own thing and being yeah. independent. Yeah. 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 I think it really does. Yeah. Definitely suits certain personality types. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it your does. definition of success now? 
Oh, now, well. Um, <laughs> or has I it changed? I guess yeah, well, that's a better it's question. Certainly, yeah, it's certainly changed. I mean, the, the I think, well, I guess it depends on what your goal is. It's it's hitting those mm-hmm. goals, isn't it? And you have different mm-hmm. goals at different times of your career. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, it started with that very first sale to um, a complete stranger. You know, yeah. when you see that one come in, it's like, wow, I can't believe someone actually paid money to read this. So, um, you know, it starts with that. And then it, I guess it's a, a set, hitting a certain income level. I, um, I mean, it all happened for me at such a good time. My second, my youngest child, my second child um, was about to start uh, school mm-hmm. um, as a five year old. And um I hadn't been working while he was little I'd sort of worked part-time when my first child was little and um but I stopped when he was born altogether and then I said to my husband look you know this this he's going back to he's going to school now I've um, got time I will pick up a part-time job but let's give it a year like I'll try you know this was beginning of 2011 I'll try um this independent publishing and I've you know I've got some some novels ready to go the agent had edited them the US agent mm. with me and we'd done some um thorough editing so I had some ready to go and I said to him look if I can't make um you know the same amount of money I'd be making um as a you know in a part-time job right. then yeah I'll go back after this year but let's give it a year so he said yep let's do it and I was really fortunate that after that first year, I was making what I would have made in a part-time job, and then I could just see the potential for it to grow, and it did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then it was a full-time job um, was the next goal, and I hit that. And I think yeah. um, I don't really think I had any de- definition of success. It was, um, or even after that, you know, full-time wage goal, there was really no other goal. I mean, I wasn't that concerned about hitting. USA Today lists, um, but I was really lucky, and that just happened. Um, I, you know, um, but now I think success is is just it's different for each author and, and different mm-hmm. for you know each each level of their career. And and yeah, I don't know yeah. if I consider myself successful. I suppose I am, <laughs> but it's not it's not something I sort of sit back and think about you know probably once yeah. you start thinking oh yeah I'm successful then you know you, you give up and you stop and you slow down and I'm not ready to slow down so. <laughs> yeah I think it is stair-stepping and like yeah. I think different points in your career you have different things that are important to you and absolutely then once you hit something you can move on to something else you know yeah and, yeah but it is different for everybody and that's what we found too talking to different people some people the freedom to write whatever they want and, and set their own schedule. You know, that's mm-hmm. what they want. They're not really concerned oh, about the money and stuff. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, and it's, that's the cool thing about India is you can kind of make your own path and mm-hmm. do your own thing. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it's, it's, it's probably the best part of being indie, isn't it? Is the, you know, not just the control you have over the product, but the control mm-hmm. you have over your own time. Right. Um, Mm. Yeah, and and when you are a mum, you know that's massively important. I remember when I was um, I was with Montlake, and um, the first two books um, I'd already published independently, and they picked them up. So you know they repackaged them. They they were ready to go, but they wanted a third book in the same series, and so I wrote that, and then they sent me the edits on Christmas Eve, and they said, "Get these back to us in three days." And I'm oh like, my gosh, You're kidding! Oh my goodness. I'm hosting Christmas. It was ridiculous. And um, I did push back and I got a bit of an extension, but not much. And so, you know, I missed the going to see the Christmas lights with the kids, which was a tradition that we had back then, and and just Mm -hmm. stuff like that, which, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it really put me off traditional publishing, and mm-hmm. I, you know I've got some friends yeah. who are traditionally published, and you you do hear a few horror stories. So right, right, <laughs> it makes me glad yeah. I'm I'm no longer doing that. So. Right. What do you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started? Uh, yeah, I wish I'd known a couple of things. I think <laughs> I, I wish I'd known um, to trust my instincts mm. and. I mean by that, my, the big picture, broad 
instincts. I think in the beginning you're still learning your craft, obviously, mm-hmm. and you, um, you know, you do need that input from from contest judges or critique partners mm-hmm. who are yeah. at a higher yeah. level than you. But that whole big picture, that kernel of that, uh, the idea that that really gets you going and makes you want to sit down in front of the keyboard, that's yours. Mm-hmm. And I think being aware of that and not losing sight of that is really important. And, and that's when you do actually have to stop listening to other people. Um, mm. So that's probably one thing, but I wish I'd known what my strengths and weaknesses were a bit earlier in the <laughs> path. I'm a, maybe I'm a bit of a slow learner. I don't know. I did sort of... I think one of my bios, I, yeah, so I took about 15 years of writing before, you know, I picked up the agent and whatever. So yeah. maybe I'm a bit slow, but, um, you know, I wish I'd known that my my strength was dialogue mm-hmm. and my weakness is, is setting. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably would have put a bit more effort in those earlier books on on learning how to write scene mm-hmm. setting and and that sort of thing and um not let that you know not let that fall away and and just write zingy dialogue which mm-hmm. I love to do and and which my readers really enjoy and I right. don't want to lose that yeah you want right. to make sure you put mm-hmm. all that in as well but yeah I, you know I did need to to concentrate on the weaknesses and learn how to write yeah scene one of my critique that. partners said I don't know where you're at right now <laughs> like I don't know where we're at yeah, in the story. Are yeah. we in a house? Are yeah. we outside? And also, yeah. What does he look like? Yeah. You haven't described it. I'm like, oh, I don't care what he looks like. He's just a character, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's important to me what he sounds like. But yeah, exactly. yeah. So a few of those things, you know, I, I've yeah. had to work. I've had to work on and and you know work out how to balance those within the book as well, without mm-hmm. losing sight of the stuff I'm, I'm good at. Yeah. Yeah. I had. Um, in my first book, um, there's a scene, it's the biscuit scene. And uh, my critique partners both said, you know, it's funny, it's hilarious, but you probably don't have to have it in there. And I was like, yes, I do. Like I do. Yeah. And so I kept it. And I just knew in my gut that that needed to be in there. And that's the scene that gets talked about the most mm, in that book. Mm, People, mm. Re- when they review it, they talk about it. And so, um, yeah, listen. You just have to listen to your gut sometimes. Yeah, just absolutely know. do. Yeah. I think, and I think, as a young or a new author, you you maybe haven't got the strength to to stick with your vision of of the book. Um, yeah, it's it's so easy, particularly when when your critique partners are further along. Yes, and more than yeah. you, and very experienced, and it's right. hard to say. Well, no, that's that's not right. that's not my vision. Yeah, but they, yeah. You know, neither one of them really read romantic comedies. Right. Like I did. And right. so I feel like that's the only thing that kind of saved me because <laughs> uh, because they were they were my mentors. I mean, they taught mm. me to write. And so it was very hard to say, no, I'm leaving it in. But and I'm glad yeah. I did. Yeah. You're glad yeah. you did. In yeah. The end. yeah. 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 Well, what about marketing? What do you wish you'd known about marketing? I hate marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I um, love it. I love it. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm, I do. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, no, so, I'm a bare minimum marketing person. Um, mm-hmm. I actually I heard this phrase just recently, and uh, everyone's heard of FOMO, right, fear of missing mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. But I just heard of it in relation to book marketing, like the fear of missing out. When you hear of other authors talking about how successful they've been, Mm-hmm. Um, with a Facebook ads or mm-hmm. Amazon ads or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and so I'm like, oh, okay, I need to do that too. I can do that too. <laughs> so you give it a go and and then, you know, it kind of doesn't really work or it sort of works but not really. And yeah. <laughs> you tweak yeah. and change and that sort of thing. And then um, then you stop and then you hear about it again. You know, yeah. another author, like especially someone in your genre or something, you go, yeah. oh, they did this, they did that with marketing. So you try again. And, um, yeah, I just realised I don't know what it is. I just I can't get my Facebook ads and my Amazon ads to to work. Yeah. Um, so I think I wish I'd known not to stress too much about it and, and just be happy with where I am mm-hmm. without doing that. Um, I mean, I stick with the tried and true of because uh, I'm wide you know, with first and series free. So I have, mm-hmm. I don't know, three or four free at the moment, different series. Um, 
get book bubs whenever I can on those, um, just sort of ad hoc. Lucky enough, I get probably average about two a year. Um, and, you know, you can boost them with other other newsletter ads, but mm-hmm. that's probably all I do. So I, I guess that I, I guess I'd wish I'd known not to worry about it and and just to stick with what was already working um, mm-hmm. for me anyway. Yeah. So I think, like you said, Janie, we're all you know, if you love it, if you love it, do it. You know, but I think for those of us who don't enjoy it, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. I yeah. I see authors stressing mm-hmm. about it so much. You know, why isn't my ad working? Um, and the other thing I see is if authors who are successful with these ads saying, "Well, I did this," and then another author will come in and, and completely contradict that, right. and it's like I don't. I can't work it out, you know. Yes. I need I'm the sort of person that needs to follow a formula. I need to follow mm-hmm. I do this, do this, do this, do this. And if that doesn't work, well, you know, if I'm getting two different um uh, ideas and suggestions and they completely contradict each other, it just makes my head explode. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just do yeah. yeah. Well, what I found is what works in some genres doesn't work in others. So like right. a certain type of ad may do great in like romance but doesn't work in cozy or sci-fi right and, it's like you, and you have to do so much testing to figure out what works and i'm i'm a very patient person except when oh, it comes, are you? but not with ads and not with testing i'm like oh, i'm so sick of the word testing because that seems to be the answer when people are like well, yeah. why isn't this working or what should i do they're like test yeah Test yeah. and find out. And I'm like, I just want to know and do it. Yeah. Somebody just I'm tell also, me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also really cheap. Like I hate <laughs> I hate to throw money at something that I don't get results for. It really annoys me. <laughs> so, you know, I know book bubs work. So mm-hmm. I'm happy yeah. to spend six or seven hundred dollars um because I'm gonna get results that mm-hmm. I really don't like throwing good money at a Facebook ad when I re- have no idea if it'll work or not. So right, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What, is, yeah. what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career and looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? What assumptions did I make? Um <laughs> I guess I assumed. I assume no one would buy my books. That's, the, <laughs> that's the, the big one from the very beginning, but, you know, that turned out all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another another assumption is, and this is still something I get wrong, mm-hmm. um, I assume I know which book's going to do well, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Which, or which series. And mm-hmm. that, it's never the one that is the bestseller. It's, I know. It's, yeah. it's so odd, isn't it? I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because no, no, you're not. <laughs> you, know, you get to a certain point in your career and you go, right, I know this genre. Mm-hmm. I know the um, the tropes and what my readers want and what the readers of this genre expect. I've done my research. Mm-hmm. Tick this box, tick this box. I'll put that in. I'll put that in. And, yeah, it sells okay, but it's never... Um, you know, it never takes off or, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I can't work it out. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the one that you you don't really think um, meets genre expectations or uh, is a little bit different mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one that, that's the one that goes gangbusters. And it's like, mm-hmm. I still don't, I mean, I'm writing book 13 and I still can't work out why. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's strange. So, well, you must uh, be doing something right, though. I, yeah. I know. I wish I knew what it was because I want to replicate it. Gonna, <laughs> this is the last book in the series, so I need to I need to follow it up. But um, I, I just think you, you just don't know, do you? There's this X mm-hmm. factor um, mm-hmm. in the story that that um, readers connect with, and yeah, I mean, you can you can do what you can to get the eyeballs mm-hmm. on it initially, and that goes back mm-hmm. to the marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to but even that, I mean, you know, I get a, a book bub on one book, a freebie, you know, a first in series, and then a book bub on another one. And why does this one mm-hmm. get so many more downloads? I mean, there's there's something about it from from the cover to the blurb that's hooking people straight away, and I and I I can't um, I can never quite work out what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know that we can ever 
know a hundred percent. We can publishing houses. They don't like, they have all that market research or I I'm thinking they probably do market research and they can't, you know, they'll put all their money behind a certain title and sometimes those flop. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's really hard to predict. It's incredibly hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm not, because I don't tend to read uh, blockbuster books. I never really have been a a reader of bestsellers and things like that. So um, I guess that has, maybe it's hindered me. I don't know. I've Mm -hmm. never really known what makes a bestseller. I've never really studied them as such. But um, for the the Glass and Steel series, I just sort of hit on something out of the mm-hmm. book. It was, it was mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, from from day one when book one came out, it was in 2016, it was just getting bought. You know, mm-hmm. and I was watching the graphs go up and it was just bizarre. And I've <laughs> never quite hit that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll keep trying. <laughs> yeah. So was that, that's your historical fantasy, right? Yeah, that's one of my historical fantasies um, set in Victorian London and mm-hmm. has magic in it. Um, yeah. Speaking of, have you, I've been, uh, last night I almost binged the whole season of The Nevers on HBO <gasps> Max. Is it good? Oh, it's so good. Oh. It's so good. And it's, okay, all right. It's historical fantasy. It's yeah, really yeah, yeah. good. I, yeah. um, I can't remember. I've seen it. It's here as well. Yeah. And um, I think it might be on Foxtown. I taped the first one. And I, I'm this person that I wait to hear if there's buzz about something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any buzz about it online. Often I'll see something in Facebook groups, other mm-hmm, authors will talk about mm-hmm. stuff, and I haven't seen any buzz for that. So I, thought, oh, I, I hadn't either. And, and I didn't even, I was actually went to HBO Max to watch something else, but it was a little darker than I wanted. And I, yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh, wow. And it really, I just, Okay, I went through four or five episodes last night. Um, it was really awesome. good. Yeah. I'm I'm hooked. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch it now. Yeah, yeah. try it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I looked at it. I went, oh, that that's right up my alley. I yes. should really watch yeah. that. Yeah, I was saying it was a little combo of Wild Wild West and I love a little steampunk. You know, a little uh, steampunk, and so yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah, so we'll start yeah. the buzz right here. For that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's get people watching this. It's amazing, actually, how um, you know. Uh, yeah, and this gets back to the like, not watching or not not reading blockbusters. Um, yes. Yeah. Have you seen Harlots? No, but oh. I've seen I've seen the show. I haven't watched it, but it's on my list to watch. Well, it's really good. It's I'll really really it, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like again, no one's watched it. <laughs> There's no buzz about it, but it's no. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, great, great female cast and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Oh, me too. And th- me too. And that's the thing about this one; it is a primarily female cast, and I just, mm. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so now we have our to do to watch list. So. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We we sorted out what to watch next. That's good. Yeah. But I mean, that shows the power of personal recommendations. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and that's the like the best thing for marketing. So that's mm-hmm. good. It's so. kind of marking and it's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever had a, an idea that you thought was just like super brilliant and it turned out to be not so great? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all have, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, this is a public service announcement to all historical <laughs> romance authors out there because I started, I started in historical romance. Do not write Elizabethan set historical oh. romance, okay? Wow. The historical okay. romance uh, readers want to read um, medieval, maybe the Highlander, Scottish Highlanders, or Regency Victorian. They're not interested in any other era. So, um, yeah, don't don't write Elizabethans because um, they're they're a hard sell. Uh, they, those were the ones I, I I published them quite early in my journey, and those actually were the ones that got picked up by Mondelake, and they so they did okay, but mm-hmm. you know they they dropped them like hotcakes after that, or dropped me like hotcake after that, and um, yeah, I, I changed after that. So I've um, I, I think oh, well, I got sick of writing historical romance anyway. But that was <clears throat> that was sort of. Uh, gave me, you know, the lack of sales there gave me the impetus to try something different. I just, mm-hmm. yeah. So <clears throat> I guess I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant idea. <laughs> I mean, what, what could go wrong? It was Elizabeth yes. and it's an iconic 
the, yes. you know, it's an iconic time period and I, I, I put Shakespeare in there and oh. my heroine was an author of, of plays and, you know, it was all Shakespeare in oh. love. She had to get someone to, um, you know, pose as the guy, who, you mm-hmm. know, t- who was the, you know, pretend he was the author. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. It, was, it was heaps of fun. It ticked all the boxes, but no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> it gets back to that that you yeah. know the assumption thing doesn't it you just don't know you you think you've got something and and done it all right and um yeah it doesn't work so yeah <laughs> that's funny well what's the biggest mindset change you had to make during your career yeah that's a good question I think um I think like a lot of authors I I lacked self-confidence and so um just gaining some self-confidence was was the biggest mindset change I had mm-hmm. to make and putting myself out there and doing doing things like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an incredibly shy child and very, I lacked a lot of self-confidence, you know, into my 20s and that came across in my um, my writing and publishing journey, you know, I I I mean, it didn't help that self-publishing had a lot of stigma in, in 2011, but I didn't tell anyone. I was basically just told my husband. I didn't tell my critique group who were super good friends. Um, it took me a while before I told them, and, of course, they were incredibly supportive. But then after that, you know, going, just telling wider family, um, yeah, other mm-hmm. friends, because I knew, I knew they would, then go and look for the books and pick them up and it's like oh my god yeah people Mm -hmm. in my real life are gonna read these and I had sex scenes in them and you know um, yeah it's just a strange feeling yeah it's incredibly strange and I still um you know you you meet you meet new people and it's like, what do you do? And I'm an author. Oh, and then they look up your books and then they start to read them and it's like, oh, stop, oh no. please don't, please <laughs> don't read them. I have to, I have to know, look I have you to, in the eye. I have to look you in the eye at, at my son's soccer on a Sunday morning, you know. Just <laughs> don't, do it. don't go there. Don't go there. Um, oh, so, I yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say. Gaining, gaining that self-confidence, yeah. Yeah, I agree because I think it's a very, if, with writing, you know, you're putting yourself out there and it may not be you, but it's a piece of you. And I heard somebody say one time, it's like when somebody reads one of your books, it's kind of like they're getting a little peek at your diary and they see a little bit of you. But I had a friend, a neighbor who said, well, we have a book club. She found out I was an author. We have a book club and tell me the names of your books and we'll read one of your books. And I was like, please don't, just just don't read my books. Don't, don't, don't do that. (laughs) I I can see you every day. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a strange feeling. I think, um, I don't know how other authors cope with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah, my yeah, um, yeah. my aunt was going to do a book club and uh, my mom said, at, for, at her church, and my mom said, they want your first book. And I said, what? And they said, <laughs> she said, yeah, yeah, the rock star book. I said, mom, they don't want that rock star book for their church <laughs> Reader good. She said, Well, the first no. book is what she said. And I said, I think she wants the first book that I wrote under mm. a different name. That's the one she wants because right. it was the clean romance. And uh, she, she was like, Oh, yeah. I was yeah. wondering what they were going to do with it. Oh, that's funny. That's gorgeous. <laughs> so they, yeah, they I, I know. Um, I've had um, I had a friend of my father's actually email me and she said, Oh, your dad tell me all about your books and so I went and got them I love them I'm like oh god that's <laughs> <laughs> you know this lady in her 70s and yeah yeah, yeah. it's a little cringy yeah, yeah. it is it's cringy yeah. yeah and even even the books that you know I no longer put sex in my books and there's barely yeah. even kissing but it's still like you said it's you're putting yourself on the page mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's not you completely but it is a version of you probably a better version of you mm-hmm. um you know it's the, yeah it's the version we wish we were but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's it, it's you are exposing yourself and um for some for people who are probably inherently shy mm-hmm. authors, it's 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 a huge deal and I don't think um 
non-authors really understand that yeah. that yeah. that you're exposing yourself and you have to otherwise you're not you know you're you're missing something if you don't mm-hmm. put that exp- you know if you don't expose yeah. yourself mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I, I think it, it comes across on the page if you're not putting it, it all on there yeah no. I think right. I think that's why we have such a hard time with reviews because oh, yeah. you know when they credit when people criticize the book it feels like they're criticizing you and it's really it's really hard but mm. yeah so I've tried to kind of start talking about um you know thank you for reviewing the book or thank you for running the book in the promo instead of mm. instead of saying me or my like mm-hmm. thank you for promoting my book instead of thank you for promoting me even because you know like there's right. I feel like that helps me a little bit, but I do know what yeah. you mean. That it's it's yeah. very hard to um, mm-hmm. put yourself out there, but then you know we have to. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's like I'm driven to write the books. Mm-hmm. And I would be unhappy yeah. if I didn't. So you know, yeah. you'd be, you'd and be I want unhappy. people to read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd yeah. be unhappy if you weren't um, putting everything into it. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. everything you were ca- and and yeah, holding back. Um, mm-hmm is not doing the, the book or yourself any service. It's not, not gonna, yeah. you're not going to gain readers by holding back. So, Mm-mm. yeah, but I, I certainly don't read reviews anymore. Um, <laughs> sometimes you you accidentally glance. Yes. Over, sometimes I'm looking for a good review to get a pull mm-hmm. quote, you know, mm-hmm. and you accidentally glance a, a negative one or, you know, oh, wish oh, I, I can't unsee that now, you know. Yes, <laughs> you can't unsee it. That's the best. Yeah, I, I always oh. I always um, cringe when I read other authors who are you know earlier on their journey saying oh they'll they'll get very upset about a two star review and it's like please just stop reading your reviews mm-hmm. you're not helping yourself Mm-mm. yeah very true mm-hmm. well you're very prolific and we wanted to ask you about do you have any um, how you're so productive and if you have any tips or ideas for people that would like to be more productive. I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm very disciplined, so that naturally helps. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a very habit habit driven person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't don't break me out of my habits. I've got to do things <laughs> a certain way every day. Um, so I do. I set goals, uh, word count goals for myself, and um, I don't beat myself up if I don't reach that goal because. Mm-hmm life happens and and yeah. you know there's a lot of business matters to attend to now mm-hmm. um that sort of thing and i don't set a a ridiculously high goal it's it's an achievable goal mm-hmm. but i try and do it every day um mm-hmm. or mon- monday to friday at least um mm-hmm. and try and hit that those word count goals and um you know i write them down and you know um if I hit it or whatever and I I think um I know not everyone's like that of you know I've got other author friends who just say I can't I can't do that um you know I've heard of uh friends who are getting up at 5 a.m to write and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and so that you know that's another thing to try but I don't know if it's something you can force the habit um I I guess you can learn habits can't you so Mm -hmm. you know it can be something you can learn and I think Mm -hmm. over my my journey I've um written at different times of the day to suit Mm -hmm. me so you know back before I had children I was working Mm full-time and I'd come home and I'd write in the evenings and that was you know I obviously couldn't write as much back then um per day but you know you set aside that time and you use it and um I was fortunate in that my husband was also working full time and he actually was studying part time. Mm-hmm. So he he was spending his evenings doing his his studies and I was spending my evenings writing. And then when the kids come along, you've got to adjust around them. And and as a mum with two little kids, you've you've got to work around them. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. their own schedule. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine are teenagers now and, and thank goodness don't need me as much. Um, and I write full time, so I, you know, I now my my schedule is to write while they're at school between mm-hmm. when I get up and three three thirty um, in the afternoon, and that schedule works for me. One one thing I have found actually is to so I do I do the draft, you know, I, I write 
um, while the kids are at school and then when they get home I'll have a bit of break with them and mm-hmm. whatever, we have a chat. And then <clears throat> about um, 5 o'clock I'll sit down with a glass of wine sometimes, mm-hmm. um, trying, to, trying to cut down, um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll read through on hard copy, I'll print out what I wrote that day and I'll read through it and it just, it, that first, pass that first edit just gets rid of any um you know I don't I don't try and edit it too much it's mm-hmm. whatever catches my eye you know it can be typos I could could have ended a sentence midway you know just stuff like that um so I'll just do that first t- uh, tidy up clean up and so that the next day I can go bang straight into um the book again where I was and I, mm. by the end of that first draft I've done my first edit and just gotten rid of that that rubbish, you know, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. obvious things, mm-hmm. um, the, the uh, glaring mistakes and, and, and can just take up your time in that first edit. So that certainly helps me. Um, and, yeah, I just fit that into my schedule. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's a great idea because it, it does cut down on the time, you know, I mean, uh, because I don't do that in my first my first edit through is pretty big because I do yeah. have a lot of, you know, I'm not a real clean writer. So I have to go in and clean up a lot of stuff. So okay. that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. No, I am, I am actually quite a, a clean writer, but um, I think a lot of it is because that first edit on mm-hmm. the day just picks up just a lot of silly mistakes. So when I actually read the book at the end of the draft and I've read it for the first time all together, um, I can actually see the story you know you can see mm-hmm. what is it you can see the, the forest for the trees or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I can see the big picture rather than getting um bogged down in the the little yeah mistakes Inertia, that, that right. needed to be tidied up mm-hmm. so that's good um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you've pivoted genres a, a few mm-hmm. times is there anything you wish you'd known about writing in multiple genres uh oh not particularly no I yeah so I I mean, I've written contemporary romance when I was unpublished. Um, tried that, was bad at it. Um, and then so I started when I actually got to independent publishing. Um, it was my historical romances were the ones that were, were ready, um, edited. So I, I those were the ones I put up first. Um, and then I, I kind of just followed the muse from there. Um, I got sick of writing um historical romance or you know romance mm-hmm. is the main plot I, yeah. I kept wanting to put plot in yeah know, I kept wanting to kill someone or, <laughs> or you know they had to be a someone, mystery. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and um so I thought right. you know I'm going to change so I I, I just went where the muse took me and mm-hmm. I ended up um after that I was writing historical um fantasy set in in victorian setting but mostly for ya Mm -hmm. the ya market um which and this is something i wish i'd known the independent um publishing market for ya is not great i think a lot of Mm. ya authors know this and i actually after a while i stopped putting them in ya categories Mm. and put them in adult categories and they did better and I'd get people saying, oh, I can't believe this is supposed to be a YA. You know, I'm a 40-year-old mm-hmm. mum and I love it, you know, that sort of thing. So you don't right. have to, yeah, you don't have to market for the YA market. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, so after that, um, then I started writing um, historical fantasies for, uh, you could say for adults, or, uh, they're not <laughs> adult content, but, you know, they're not no longer YA. And then um, they were still set in the Victorian era. And then I wrote historical fantasy, which was in a complete fantasy setting. Um, it sort of, you know, was reminiscent of the Palace of Versailles and that mm-hmm. decadent um, French era. Um, mm-hmm. But the setting was completely fictional and fantasy. And I had a ball doing that. And again, it didn't sell that well. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was okay. I still love that series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, back to my my Victorians. Um, and now I'm also writing um, very late Victorian, you could almost call it Edwardian, although it's not, historical mysteries um, with no fantasy, uh, is, is minimal romance. I mean, all my books have a romantic element. Mm-hmm. It's just what I... I love to put in and, and 
uh, my readers love it too, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But um, I couldn't imagine writing a book without a romantic element yeah. in there. And I just, I'm loving, loving the historical mystery genre. It's yeah. so much fun and I'm having so much fun with it. Um, so, I, yeah, in terms of what do I wish I'd known, I'm not really sure. I've just mm-hmm. kind of followed my muse. That's um, great, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, oh, actually, I I hear a lot lately um, over the last year or so the phrase "stay in your lane." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, yes, stay in your yeah. lane. And uh, I've I really want to say no. It's okay. <laughs> um, I think. Look, being a prolific author has certainly helps. You can you can write in different genres, and I can I you know I can switch. Mm-hmm. I write four books a year. Um, two in one series and two in another. I alternate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so one's the glass and steel Victorian historicals, mm-hmm. historical fantasies, and the other is at the moment the Cleopatra Fox historical mysteries. So I think being being prolific, you can switch mm-hmm. the genres. You don't have to stay in your lane, um, but you do have to still have your readers in mind and why. I mean, I have a certain core readership who tell me they will read no matter what I put out, no matter what genre it is, and those mm-hmm. ones I want to keep and I want to please yeah. them. And fortunately, they're like me. They obviously like the same things as me, so I'm putting those things into the books anyway. Mm. Um, so well, I think well, that that stay in your lane phrase doesn't work for every author. It It might work for some, but... I just want to say to authors, please don't force yourself to be writing something you're no longer enjoying mm-hmm. because it will come out and you will hate this job and you might as well go and get another job, you know. Yeah, selling the nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. The nine-to-five yeah. do- job, exactly. Um, that, what's the point in, mm-hmm. in torturing yourself? <laughs> yep, yep. Well, that was one of my questions was, do your readers follow you? Um, it sounds like they do. Like. Some some do, absolutely, yeah, absolutely some do. Um, and I'm fortunate that there's enough of them that it makes it viable to, to um, yeah, to keep going and to keep in, in you know, moving genres and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly, you know, not every, every reader. Um, I definitely have readers who say, you know, I've read this genre or read this series of yours. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pick up this that fantasy in the fantasy setting doesn't interest me you know Mm. and I'm sure I I think fantasy the fantasy readers will cross over into the historical mystery I don't see if I pick up new readers in the historical mysteries with the Cleopatra Fox series I think a lot of them won't go back to my older ones um But, you know, I've I've got the first in series three, so some of them might go, oh, look, it's not my usual genre. I'll pick it up and give it a go. Yes. And I actually, yeah. you know, on the odd occasion, I do read reviews or, you know, um, <laughs> only the good ones, of course. Um, <laughs> I have read a, a reviewer say, oh, uh, historical is not my usual genre of choice, but this was free and I liked the cover, I picked it up and now I really like this series. Or um, fantasy is not my usual genre that yeah. looked intriguing. So, you know, you do, and I think having the first in series free is it, it just removes any barriers mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it does give the readers a chance to say, well, okay, I did like this series of hers. That other series is not my usual cup of tea, but I'll give it a go and see what happens and right. maybe I'll like mm-hmm. it too. And um, you know that's it's yeah it's a good 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 thing to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. First yeah. in series free that that you're right. It just lowers that barrier of entry, and I mean they've got yeah. nothing to lose to try it. Yeah, exactly. Just just mm-hmm. their time, and they can put it down after a few pages if, if mm-hmm. they don't want to spend any more time on right. it. Right. And I've got to think about you know how did I how did I discover books, mm-hmm. right? Back in the day, I mm. went to the library and I got free books from the library mm. and, you know, I, I'd, I'd borrow a stack and I'd read a chapter or a couple of chapters and if I didn't like it, I'd, I'd toss it. Okay, and get yeah. On the yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's first in series three has just replaced the library system in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to me, anyway. Yeah. Or, or borrowing from friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. That's how, that's how I got interested. I was a 
you know, a poor student and then a poor married mum and yes. and um, <laughs> I, I had to read free books. So, yeah. you know, and then, yeah. of course, you you fall in love with something and you're happy to, to buy it when it came out. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. you, you've got to find a way to, in the first place, to, to reach those readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, how much, like, um, influence do your readers have on whether you keep writing a series or not? I mean, I know part of it's like how well the series is doing, but to me, I found that the series that maybe are not, that don't sell as well as others seem to have the most vocal fans that love them the most. (laughs) And so have you found that to be true and how do you deal with it? Uh, No, I don't think I have found that to be true, actually. I find the most vocal from my most popular series, but it Mm -hmm. does, it does outsell the others probably by a fair bit. you know, at least double some of my series, although mm-hmm. the Cleopatra Fox series is only one book in, so it's a bit early to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think my readership influence what I write or how I write. I think I, I've definitely kept the Glass of Steel series going longer. Mm. I had a had a six-book arc planned mm-hmm. for the, the characters and the plot, and then um, I realised, no, I can't let this stop at six. It's just <laughs> successful. So, um, you know, I thought of as I approached that book six, how I can extend it and, and mm-hmm. keep it going. So, but I've got to book 13 now and it's still going strong. It, it's, it's um, you know, sells a lot of books. But I can't do it anymore. I'm, I, I, you know, it's not that I, I'm loving writing book 13, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, um, but I just can't do it to the characters anymore, you know. Yeah. I keep putting them <laughs> yeah. through the ringer and they're, just, <laughs> they're exhausted. They want to yeah. retire too. So yeah. I'm going to do a spin-off, but who knows, the spin-off may not work. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be different characters. It's going to be different plots and, and yeah. we'll see. But um, so I think I think the success of a series is certainly um, – kept that one going mm-hmm. longer mm-hmm. than my initial plan mm-hmm. um one thing I have learned I think is to have a I think I think historical mysteries are different I mean we can you, you can keep those going you know mm-hmm. no problem but particularly in fantasy you you do need to have that initial story arc and, mm-hmm. and character arc but I've learned that keep it open mm-hmm. like keep your options open mm-hmm. have a have a backup arc to come in um, when that first one is coming to an end mm-hmm. and and just in case. So I had a um, my historical fantasy in the in the sort of the Palace of Versailles world set in, set in a complete fantasy setting um, had a six-book arc and I had an idea of a spin-off for that, but it wasn't, the series wasn't overly popular. And, oh, I mean, I love that series. It mm-hmm. was it was fun, and and the the spinoff is still calling to me, and I've actually written pages and pages of notes on it, and I hope to get back to it one day, but you know, it, I, I can't fit it into my schedule for mm-hmm. one thing, um, mm-hmm. and you know, if if that series had been successful, I probably would have planned to write it now that the Glass and Steel series is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. I would have planned to write it after that. But I've put that on the back burner and decided to do the Glass of Steel spin-off instead. Mm-hmm. So I guess, um, yeah, sales has, has definitely influenced what my next choice mm-hmm. to write has been. Um, yeah. I don't know, rightly or wrongly, we'll see. <laughs> I think, <laughs> but, I think I, that's smart, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. smart, but I should say it sounds like I'm forcing it. It's not. I mean, all of these ideas call to me on some level and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of which one gets my attention first right and one that, the one that naturally is going to get my attention is the better selling mm-hmm. genre or series or, or whatever mm-hmm. so you know yeah. um yeah it's not like I'm going to write something that I'm only half interested in so right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so uh you've been getting into uh German translations do you have mm. any tips for other authors who are interested in doing that well, I mean, the obvious obvious one is make sure you get a good translator. Um, yeah. <laughs> how to do that? Uh, well, I was really lucky. I had a, a 
German reader who lives in Germany and read my English books email me out of the blues a few years ago now. I'm talking about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, if you ever have any plans to translate them into German, I'm happy to read them for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read the, you know, read for you right. and, and, and whatever. Um, I said, oh, okay, I'm going to keep your email. I'm not mm-hmm. ready. So I kept her email and about two, three years later, I thought, oh, I think I'm going to do German translations. And so <clears throat> I actually um, went to Amazon and, and Apple Books and, and actually looked up translated books sort of in my broad genre mm-hmm. and found um, a couple of translators who had good reviews. And so I just emailed them out of the blue and <clears throat> asked them for their availability and the cost and and their terms and, and um, would they be interested. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And from there, uh, I was able. They so they both. I ended up with two. I whittled it down based on their their cost and their availability, um, and asked them to do sample, a uh, few page sample translation. And I sent both of those to this uh, German reader of mine, and she she and her mother, who and her <laughs> mother doesn't read read in English at all, but um, had wanted to read my books. Um, both read the samples and gave me some feedback and and actually said both of them were quite good. So um, I went with one of them because she was more available, you know, mm-hmm. earlier than the other mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, and I've just built her, I, I, you know, went privately. I didn't go through a, an agency or anything. We've got our own contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've now engaged the second translator who wasn't ready at the time and she's she's a lot busier. Than the first one, and I've I've booked, booked her in to translate a different series of mine. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that one goes. So I think do your research, mm-hmm. um, talk to other authors if you if you want, but do your research. But uh, it's expensive, and and unlike audiobooks, you you can't I can't check. You know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You can listen to your audiobook and go, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds good. But I can't check my translations and you absolutely have to trust the translator. Um, and so I feel very fortunate that this German reader came along. Yeah. Um, yeah yes. so I, I don't know what I'd do if I decide to do French or, or another language. Um, and I, I don't know, it's it's kind of exhausting just thinking about, <laughs> about doing yeah, it. I keep telling my is. husband, can, can you please retire from your job so I can, <laughs> you know, you can come and look into this stuff for me and, and do it because I just want to write. I know mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah. I, I, it's a bit stressful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you can outsource everything to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like your German books. If you do more books in German, it sounds like you have a lot of books that that will keep you busy for a long time. So. Yeah, look, I guess I can wait till I retire, can't I, and run yeah. out of, of ideas and, and <laughs> just do translations or something. I don't know. I mean, the, yeah. up, the upfront cost is huge yeah. um, and the risk, I think the risk is great. I mean, obviously the market's nowhere near the size of the English-speaking market, no matter which language you choose. Right. Um, so it's just going to take longer to, to right. earn back your investment and I'm very hesitant to suggest people up to other authors that they they take it on you know yeah. you're much much better off doing audiobooks if if you resources yeah. are much yeah. better yeah 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 I, I fully believe audiobooks are where it's at for the yeah. for the future yeah. Yeah. yeah are you ladies are you ladies finding that do you find your audiobooks are mm-hmm. going well I, I do Sarah's are mine are Sarah, okay yeah. but yeah mine are okay mine are with a publisher I just okay day before you know what's it yesterday my first self-published audiobook that I did my you know I hired hired the narrators and everything myself uh went up for pre-order so we'll see how how exciting yeah yeah yeah, I'm excited to see and it's so good I mean you know they did a fantastic job and I got you know good big narrators in romance so that you know that helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think genre matters in mm-hmm. audiobooks. Yes, I do um, too. Yeah, I, I, maybe the romance is not as big as the mystery. I'm oh no, finding. it is. It yeah, is. Sarah, yeah. Sarah, obviously finding this too. The mystery um, 
you know, market for audiobooks I think is is bigger mm-hmm. in the romance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that it depends on your subgenre. And I think mm-hmm. that there's like a whole new group of readers is finding me in audio. Absolutely. Or, or it's opening up new ways for people to find me that wouldn't have found me in ebook. And mm. it's, I'm getting people, like I find that my ebook readers tend to be, um, okay, like their, their age is older. Mm. And I get emails from people talking about, you know, they, you, it's obvious from the things that they say that they're in the older demographic, but then like my audiobook listeners tend to be younger from the ones that oh, I right. hear. So that's I feel like so that's good. Kind of, yeah, that is so interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. I haven't, I haven't noticed that actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm finding the library market. I'm so glad I went wide with my audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the library market's massive. Mm-hmm. It is, and I think it's oh, because yeah. it's kind of small right now. Where there's mm-hmm. not right, you know, like compared to eBooks, the library market is a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's easier there to stick is- out, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm finding it's uh, stickier once you yeah. once you reach high in the the charts, you tend to stay there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you do anything? Pay spe- very well. <laughs> no, but do you do anything specific to promote your library uh, audio no, libraries? No, 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 not at all. Um, I was fortunate that I caught a wave at Hoopla Digital. Um, so I, when I put my audiobooks wide through Findaway Voices probably took a year of me completely regretting that decision mm-hmm. um, because I had to take them off the non uh, the exclusive deal at at um, ACX and yes, put them yeah. non-exclusive and obviously you drop in the royalties quite significant mm-hmm. and I was for a whole year I did not make up that shortfall um, mm-hmm. and then something happened I have no idea this is again <laughs> I you know mm-hmm. I don't know why things take off they just do mm-hmm. and um, and at Hoopla Digital, no, none of the other library markets, just Hoopla, it um, took off. And, of course, you know, once you take off, then they will promote you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a bit of a cycle there. And then when I put out the first Cleopatra Fox book back in December, um, it, it sort of, you know, those listeners picked that one up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's just been sitting really high in the charts ever since at, at Hoopla. But um, I, what I did do last year, it sort of um, when COVID first came out, I actually sent to my newsletter um, subscribers uh, how, and the, the heading was and the, the subject heading was how to read my books cheaply or for free, you know, it's pretty mm attention mm-hmm. grabbing yeah. and obviously a lot of people were getting laid off in in lots of different mm-hmm. industries and I just sort of gave a brief rundown of you know um subscription services like Scribid where you can mm-hmm. a lot of my books are on Scribid and my audiobooks you know you, there's a, that's quite cheap um and also mentioned libraries and I think and I just went through how to how to join the library system mm-hmm. the, the digital libraries mm-hmm. and I had so many readers contact me and say I had no idea I could download digital ebooks or audiobooks mm-hmm. for, for free from my library and yeah. just thanking me mm-hmm. so um you know maybe that helped maybe it didn't I don't know I mean I think I'd already was doing quite well in in the hoopla market before mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but I, yeah you, you know you, you can hurt. you can it doesn't hurt no mm-hmm. not at all and I'm happy to have my books in libraries and yeah. To me, every new reader you gain is new word of mouth. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, there's some statistic I heard somewhere, I don't know if it's true, but if someone loves your book, they on average will tell six people. Wow. Right? Yeah, I know. So, uh, uh, you know, you don't get a lot through of, of money through the library market, but you gain readers and, and yeah. who knows who they will tell yeah. who, who will buy your book. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what's the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I've consciously done anything. Um, it, it's just that comes back to that discipline. And I was going to say you're very disciplined, yeah. <laughs> I'm very disciplined um, and that helps me be prolific. Mm-hmm. Um 
just being being authentic as a person but being authentic on the page as well um Mm -hmm. and and not not forgetting what your readership wants Mm -hmm. in a in a story um you know not sort of going too far out of the lines Mm -hmm. um you know it doesn't mean i'm dictated by by their wishes but i don't um i i don't completely forget what what the readership wants you know Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna kill off the hero i'm not gonna (laughs) you know i'm not gonna harm a pet that sort of thing yeah 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 so i i think and something I do hear, you know, when, when readers contact me is they say, and this gets back to your core core group of fans, mm-hmm. they say, I can pick up any one of your books and I know I'll enjoy it. Yeah. And that's what I want. I don't want them to say, oh, that series just completely disappointed me. Mm-hmm. I think she's lost it. I'm no longer going to read her. Right. Yeah. What right. I mean, you want, you need, um, you need to please them on, on a level that mm-hmm. um, is common across all your books and deliver that to that promise. Mm-hmm. And if you break that promise to your reader, you could potentially lose them forever. It's going to be yeah. really hard to regain them. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. you can, yeah, so you can cross your own readers. That's true, yeah. Write mm-hmm. different types of stories, but there's that core promise in there that um, you can't break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I, I was just saying yesterday that someone said, I don't know, Sarah, if you remember, but one of the podcasts we used to listen to said that the, your brand is the promise you make your readers. And no, so it good. doesn't really matter what no. what genre. It's your brand as mm. an author. is mm. That's the promise you make. Yeah. I there you go. I never, I never know how to define brand. Now mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> now you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> promise. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Very good. Well, tell people where they can find more about you and your books. Okay, uh, my website, cjarcher.com, has all of my books and um, links to Facebook pages and mm-hmm. Twitter and all of that sort of thing. So, great. yeah, if you can go there. Very yeah. good, very good. good. Well, it's been great having you today. It's so interesting. I just, I love I love talking to prolific authors because I'm not oh. very prolific. So I think that's... Oh, actually, oh, okay. Yeah, I write very slowly, so... <laughs> But I think it's awesome. I think yeah. it's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a yeah. ball. It's been really it was fun. great. Yeah. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening today. And you can find all the links at wish I'd known then podcast.com. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.